So we are talking about leading in 2021. Yeah, I was just pulling up my notes here. Let's see. I wanted to do the same. Had them in Slack. These, there was one article I sent you and the other, I read another one that was interesting. In the Forbes article I sent you that said fewer than 18% of leaders have the qualities of mind to lead in this current state, a VUCA state, if you will. I believe that. Yeah. And that article was breaking things down into how we typically invest in, when we say growth and development for leaders, we invest in what they would refer to as horizontal, like communication improvement, conflict improvement, strategy, et cetera. We don't, but we don't invest in what they would call vertical, which is more like about adaptability and self-awareness. And we rarely, if ever, invest in the neuroscience of leaders. So with the continued ambiguity, uncertainty, blah, 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 expecting the unexpected, and also lots of more, lots more acronyms we never heard before, there will be a growth, a birth of training, emphasis, eventually educations, certifications, all sorts of things around the neuroscience of leaders. And relates to being able to cope with crises, you think, as a side thread or What do you think there? Being able to cope with constant change, unpredictability, and then the intuition and emotion to cope with these other fallouts. You can say unpredictability, right? But even if I say that to you, you're immediately thinking of the unpredictability of the industry. We didn't predict what I've heard referred to as people blues. We couldn't have predicted health issues, mental issues related to Zoom fatigue. We couldn't have predicted that not only was DNI here to stay, but it was going to move from being an appendage in organizations to being a driving force and how that even changes the workforce. We wouldn't have been able to predict how people would build brand new relationships and hire and fire all remotely. So the unpredictability was always about product, customer, throughput. It wasn't even, it was barely discussed around this other layer of intuition, emotion, people connection. So the neuroscience piece addresses more of that as a business enabler. And yeah, I think that's the best way from what I, the little bit I've started to read, that's the best way I can describe it. It has to be true, right? The only thing I had going for me when the pandemic hit and we were, and it was obvious to everyone we were in a crisis mode was I made it an intentional decision to run into the burning building and try to help. And there's this fight or flight mechanism. I went from feeling relatively good about my peacetime leadership skill sets. And we had little micro crises over time, right? It's not like nothing ever went wrong, but this massive tidal wave that you had to deal with. And I basically had to learn on the fly. And so I went from feeling really good about where I was at to knowing basically nothing and having to step up to the curve. And part of what I I think we're going to do a series on this soon is what's the playbook? What are the things that the skills we can build as leaders to inoculate ourselves from future crises so we can go into them and other people look at us to help be part of the solution? I just showed up without any of the tools or gear or equipment and the the force is on fire. And I'm like, hey, where can I help? Mm Mm-hmm. But I want to have all of those things built in by the time the next one rolls around because these once in a hundred year events happen 
frequently because there's lots of different, there's financial crises and there's health crises and there there could be a hundred different once in a hundred year type events. I will show you too. I pulled it up. I don't know if you can see in my camera. So the gray is my, th these are my how many exercise minutes I had per day. And you can see when the pandemic hit, oh it fell off a cliff. And the yellow is in this year. And I've made like a very intentional decision mm -hmm. to basically close my exercise ring, my Apple Watch every day. But without that intentionality, look at that's unhealthy. I'm basically yeah. at zero. I just roll out of bed and walk and sit in my chair and then leave and go to the dinner table and then go back to bed. Like it's just not a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I think that's definitely like these sort of second, third order consequences. We just don't know. So you're, you're saying there's going to be basically a whole almost industry around this new dimension, this new nuance of leadership. And a lot of that is going to be pointed inward on the leader themselves. Yeah. That's what I've just started reading a little bit of. So when I go back and try to compare that, it makes sense, right? Leaders are always supposed to be looking at the everyday, what do I need to accomplish today, this month, this quarter, that's going to get me to my annual target. But good leaders are thinking about the longer term at the same time. Everything that I've been reading is around expecting to, to continue to deal with ambiguity, continue to deal with change, continue to deal with all the complexities that come from everything remote and expecting the unexpected. And how do you prepare yourself for that? It's more yeah. of traditional methods, yet again, being inadequate, like just focusing on conflict management and just focusing on improved communications isn't going to get you there. And there's another interesting dynamic at play where we, us as humans, had a trauma and we are still like in the ER in surgery about to come out of like a successful surgery. And then everything after that we're going to do summer, winter of this year into next year and, and beyond is the the rehabilitation that, you know, that if you have surgery on your knee or whatever, you have to go and get it back up to proper strength. Like we haven't even started that yet. So there's all these ripple effects that are going to come after we're quote unquote back to normal. If we woke up tomorrow and everyone was vaccinated and there was no more COVID, there's a lot of stuff to go and sort out and fix and the economy's got to catch up and, and all of those things. And so we're, we're still, even though we're what, 10 months in, we're still at the very beginning. And lest that seem like a, a point for mass discouragement, I am hopeful that any sort of reboot or any sort of like fresh look at things gives an opportunity to reprioritize on what's really important. At the most kind of the tiniest example is you go on vacation and you leave your inbox for 10 days. The stuff that, that rises to the surface after that, that people like message you about again, that's really the stuff that's important. But I, yes, we are still figuring out as far as pandemic is concerned, we're still at the beginning, beginning of a new year and some people already behind and not done a good job planning and behind the eight ball. But there's always an opportunity to take a fresh look and start again and think honestly and realistically about what success can be. Agreed. And if I'm at the poker table 
and I have to push in my chips, I'm definitely betting on what you said, which is the makeup, the skills, the talent stack of the modern leader from today forward is different than it was in the past. And you can't, you're not going to be able to get by just leaning on what we focused on in the past. And there's going to be combining skills, more nuance there, the resilience piece, the, the skill set to go and, and run into the burning building, all, and then ha- handling the fallout from all of those things. Mm-hmm. What do you do when, you know, s- someone on your team calls you and has a an illness or hasn't been exercising or not taking care of themselves or has been isolated for... We have intro- our extroverted friends who they haven't really been out of their house in 10 months. That's, I don't, who knows what's going to happen with that. And so I think, yeah, the leadership skill set to be able to navigate these things effectively, because it all boils back down to behaviors, Mm -hmm. are going to have to be more nuanced and take these things into account. Because we talk about Maslow's, we're not always in that sort of middle layer. Mm -hmm. Like it's the the amplitude, right? That the distance between peaks and troughs across a team and an organization is wider now. Right. And that's, who knows what that's going to yeah. look like. I read another acronym today I thought was interesting around what sort of leader will it take for this level of uncertainty, change, continual ambiguity, et cetera, et cetera. And the acronym was SPINE. It was spiritual, physical, intellectual, intuition, and emotion. And in the not too distant past, it was often, let's talk about a courageous Spy. leadership. Courageous. Yeah. I define that differently. I could define a courageous leader as someone who's willing to engage on all of these fronts, where so often a courageous leader was just defined as someone who was willing to take big business risks, that big win, big kind of thing. But everything you said, even about the burning building, is captured there in spine. Every every thought around how will I engage with people who are introverts coming to a new level of kind of realization and even contribution, extroverts who are withdrawing in an unhealthy way, physical health, mental health, Zoom fatigue. I do that expression, people blues. How do I deal with all of those things? Well, something. Blues, is that like lo- loneliness, professional loneliness? Is that what that it means? It is related to the isolation, to working remotely constantly. So it's related to the, it's just a combination of Zoom fatigue, meeting lots of new people, but not really meeting them, maybe needing to, maybe needing to quarantine and what that actually means. So lots of different, the, that kind of residue, people blues. Yeah, which is interesting because we've never met face to face, just via camera. Imagine I feel a bit like an anomaly making so many new friends at my firm remotely, but imagine a time a year from now where I'm not an anomaly, where so many people have changed jobs, fully interviewed, been hired, joined teams, everything, and never one time shaken hands with someone, sat down and and had a meal with them. Yeah. And I bet people went out of their way to make you feel welcome to connect with you because when you joined, it was in that novelty zone. But now I, I bet if even 10 months in, like we're, we've gotten used to things, I bet had you joined today, you would have a different experience, maybe. I don't think that's a good thing either. Like that intentionality goes away. And that, I think that sort of ma- will ma- end up magnifying some of the people blues 
you talk. I think that's where you get back to this idea. And I do like this acronym of spine because there is an, um, there's an emotional awareness and intuition more so than say intellectual because of the, I'm working my way back up because of the change in the physical relationship. All of those components were not there before. We were working on remote work as one collective team, but it wasn't the norm. But you know, basically everything, and I don't think it's a bad thing, by the way, that's just my opinion, but because I think it opens up a whole different set of opportunities for different demographics in the workforce. But if you believe what's written, which is remote is here to stay to so many degrees, not the extreme we have today, it does take, a, it does create a need for a new norm. I'm curious what you think about this. When you're under crisis, when you're presented with a new situation, there's a hard decision at the time and and continues to be to choose to run into the burning building like we just talked about. Part of this too is there seems to be much more of a personal responsibility, personal competence at every level that's required to navigate these situations now, which are more complex. Do you, do you agree with that? Is the onus a lot more on um, us as leaders to build the nuanced skill set, which you've already, to be spine, right, that you talked about, but isn't there also like uh, an elevated expectation or need, let's say at the individual contributor level, at the individual level, no matter wh- where you are, what you do to sort of build up some of that resiliency? I don't, what do you think about that? I 100% agree. I don't think, I think sometimes as a society, maybe I'm being harsh, but I think we've moved far too much away from indi- from uh, individual responsibility. I believe pretty strongly that you agree with that. But I think there isn't going to be a way for a single courageous leader, especially from a rem- from all remote locations, to rally the troops, if you will, to just rally people in the same connected way. I think each individual has to be willing to not just experience the ups and downs and when they're down look for someone else to get them out of that, they are also going to have to develop themselves. Your boss can't do everything to save you. You are going to have to, your HR department can't do everything to save you. You as an individual are going to have to go on a different journey that probably does lead you more down this vertical leader development path, this neuroscience for leaders path, so that as an, even as an individual, you are understanding what it takes for you to be fulfilled in a new environment. And then you can teach others. You can lead by example. At the same time, you're preparing yourself for the next phase of your career. But I don't really know how one person, aka the leader, can do all of that heavy lifting for every single person that reports to them. This is going to be even more difficult because I, I just pulled the article you sent so spiritual, physical, intellectual, intuition, emotion, per, layer on personal responsibility, resilience, which is baked in. Mm-hmm. Those are maybe byproducts of being spine. This is probably one of the harder times in history to do mm-hmm. that. What you're saying is it's regardless of your level, this is more and more on you. You have to build these broader skills and demonstrate them in more dangerous situations and then have to cope with the fact that the world around you is not fair mm. and navigating through that where I think in the past there's been more protection and sensitivity. There's a broader awareness there, but I think some of that 
I don't know. It might go away a little bit too. I'm curious to see how this plays out now that you're bringing it up. I don't know that we know everything. I think that was another theme I took away is anything and everything we can do to be responsive to what emerges. And I don't want to just say emergent leaders because that also seems a little bit trite. It's like this, there's an emergence, obviously on the industry front, also on the people front, also on the culture front, um, also on the team interaction front, that when we use the word emergent in the past, it was often just based on industry or economics. It wasn't looking at all of these factors. So an yes. emergent, a, a, a strong leader, which again, according to this Forbes article, only eight at the moment, only 18% of people are equipped, which actually I'm going to look at the positive there and say it leaves a lot of opportunity for people who were probably overlooked before because they did, they fit more of the standard quote, quote, leadership skills. But we're looking for all different holistic changes holistic opportunities to be emerging and how we can respond to all of them holistically, not just one at a time. So we have just waded into one of my favorite topics, which I don't think we've discussed yet, which is surprising. So have you seen the Kinevin framework? I have. Yeah. So Bruce Mm -hmm. loves this thing. So if you've talked to Bruce for five minutes or longer, (laughs) you've heard of the Kinevin framework, which I think he's got like a really deep understanding of, I would say mine is much more surface level, but there's some nuance here. So we'll put it in the show notes. The Kinevin framework is a way to, what would you say, measure environment complexity? It's a conceptual framework used to aid Mm decision-making. And so it's like a sense-making device is how it's described. I think of it as, as very much like getting, raising awareness of all contrasting contrasting elements of a situation and evaluating pros and cons. I'm going to give a really simple overview. You have this sort of, it's not even a two by two matrix, but you can think of it as structured that way. And it talks about this like order, unordered kind of transition where you start with something that's simple and you can do best practice to this is solved problem space. The traffic light is simple. Then you get into something that's complicated where like it takes an expert to assess, but the cause and effect is known. So like a Ferrari is complicated. If the Ferrari breaks, a mechanic who knows about fixing Ferraris can go and roughly figure out what's wrong and and get it back up and running again. Complex though is, has, that's where the emergent piece comes in. And that's where I, I like I originally went to this when you said the term emergent, that has the opportunity to surprise you. So The weather is an example of a complex ecosystem where you can predict pretty well, but then the farther out in time you go, the further out in time you go, the harder it is to predict. Traffic is another complex ecosystem. And then you get into chaos, which is really like the house is on fire kind of thing. Now, simple and chaos, we're really good at. Like chaos, we're actually great at, right? We just act and fix it later. So our sort of emergency trigger is totally fine. Navigating the complex and complicated, though, that's really challenging. And I think we tend to take a complicated approach to complex problems. So really, it's like we try to treat them like a framework, like a MISI framework and and plug everything in. And then we wonder why things like GameStop stock happen or these sort of black swan events. It's because you were dealing, you've been surprised, you treated a complex situation 
like a complicated situation. One example is like Iron Man, like the suit would be complicated. Tony Stark, though, is Mm -hmm. complex, that kind of thing. And so this ability to navigate complexity, to probe the environment, to experiment, to see what's out there, and then take the, the inputs you get, make sense of them, and then respond accordingly is a skill set that we don't regularly exercise as humans or as leaders. And I think what the article's saying, what we've been talking about, tying it all back together, we are going to find ourselves thrown into complex situations more and more often. And we cannot take a complicated mm-hmm. approach to them. In some of the things you outlined earlier, health, diversity, virtual hiring and firing, all of those things that we're if you see some of the stuff that's being said in those realms, they're they're just the simplistic approaches to complex problems. We're going to have to be able to navigate the complexities much more effectively mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, good call on the, the Kinefrin framework. I, I also center in on the that emergent piece in that you're, it's, it really is the difference between probing and analyzing, right? In a complicated scenario, you can look for good practices. You can, you can continue to analyze and what's around you using the tried and true expertise, which we could loosely parallel that to this, to when we train leaders, we train them on what this, the Forbes article, which we'll also include in the podcast notes, they would call horizontal leadership. We're just going to give you training on better communication. Where complex, the context matters more than almost anything. The past matters so much less. When something is emergent, there's a heavy element of intuition that goes into art and science. Art and science, yeah. Not just, yeah. yeah, it's just not the standard kinds of leadership skills. Adaptability, self-awareness, being willing and able to collaborate. I, I, won- I do wonder, and I don't know, but I wonder if this idea of, in our industry, geek in a parachute was a, a meme that was used all the time, or you get this kind of savior, superhero, complex sort of scenario. That is pretty common with chaos. It can also be common with simplified problems that need to be solved. We'll bring in this subject matter expert. That doesn't have a place in a complex environment because the answer is unknown. The best outcome is also unknown and probably not yet even defined. So what good does a superhero do you? Not much, actually. You need a collaboration of really smart people. So are we, are we going back to the advocating for generalist type model? This, is, this seems to be you know, going more in that direction. Just the, the talent stack of the generalist has a different skill set. That's a good question. What do you think? I, I have an opinion, but what do you think? Certainly depends on the problem. If you're coming in to solve problems, I think there's, then it's obvious the hard part's going to be convincing people they're in a complex mm-hmm. environment and that the set of behaviors required to successfully navigate a complex environment are completely different than a complicated environment. So you're worrying about Iron Man's suit and you have to be worrying about Tony Stark inside and behave differently. I don't know. That's a tall order because this is such a heady, like I got confused as <laughs> I was explaining it, trying to find the right words because I can't just point. <laughs> There's no screen share here. I can't just point to, okay, look at this, these mm-hmm. quadrants here. And so I think as leaders also, it, it's on us to, around the communication side, the ability to identify, to understand when we are in or moving across these different 
uh, quadrants, these different boundaries, especially in complex and complicated, because, you know, like I said, chaos is so easy to tell. It's almost not even worth talking about. The ability to identify and then articulate, maybe not the the lore behind why it is what it is, but why we're going down a specific path, I think is super important. And that goes into the, the whole emerging mindset that you talked about earlier, this vertical development mindset agility. If you have 20 years of experience and you're an executive, maybe, or you've been an executive for 10 years, and, and now you're trying to say, hey, grow your mindset to to be able to change your approach that's worked for you all these years, for decades, and you've been successful with, and now when everything's on the line, please go do this different thing. That's a tall order. Yeah. As you've been talking, I've actually changed my answer a little bit, which makes it a little unfair because you had to go first. I was that's going okay. to say, yes, I think that there's a there's some rise of the generalists, but now I'm going to recant that and say, I think in true collaborative fashion, I think the right answer is both and. I think there is going to be a need, one, for generalists, but exactly like you're saying, it's a, actually a different kind of generalist. It's going to be a more expansive into a lot of these spiritual, intuition, emotion, these different skill sets. But I also don't think that with hard to solve problems, we can discount the 20-year veteran because they have seen a lot, of, a lot of relevant data. They've seen a lot of relevant outcomes. So because we don't know the outcome and we are potentially solving for something that has just never been seen or solved, seen before or solved before, we're right back in my mind to collaboration and we need some of both. So the 20-year veterans vote maybe doesn't count as much or doesn't count more than the generalist the subject matter experts vote doesn't count more than the other team member. We're, we're really talking about real collaboration. And you mentioned this emergence around diversity. One of my favorite examples of that is some of my dear friends who are now experts in this, this field and vice presidents of diversity. Like those roles didn't even in, in exist five years ago. And now like that emergence in and of itself, like People who are qualified, they had to take this almost as a personal interest and a personal journey for years and years until it was recognized as something of, of value. And I think it will, I'm, which I am incredibly grateful for, and I know you are too, but not everybody is or will admit that they're not. I'm looking forward to seeing how over time that sort of leadership itself works its way further and further into the boardroom and further into the nuts and bolts of how one does business. Flip side, the other side of that coin is your experience decays, like the half-life of your experience is, is much, much shorter. And so you, you see the same thing in like surgeons who, are like, or who like can identify tumors on scans. And if you go a long time without practicing that, it, like it, you, you can't identify tumors anymore. And so you have to keep refreshing that ability. It's, I think there's something similar there too, where it's, yeah, not only are you in these completely new spaces where a path has been built, forged very quickly and recently, but also the one, the skills that it took you to get there probably might not be the ones you need to be successful when you are there. And then two, that experience, that, that intuition mm -hmm. decays. And so at a minimum, being aware of that and, and it, trying to 
adjust mm-hmm. for it, control for it is going to be equally mm. as important. That's a really good analogy. This is not even what we planned on talking about today, but I'm glad you sent the article. This is really interesting. That's great. I, I love this kind of stuff. We, It's not like we're, when you talk about wanting to do hundreds of episodes like this, <laughs> you're never short of content. Do you want to mm-hmm. just wrap this one up? And then we can, it can be like a standalone thing. Yeah, we could do thing, that. But. There's something you wrote in here that's, that is really interesting around how, like, when do you just say, when do you just adopt, adapt and say, okay, I maybe squandered the first 15%. I can start fresh today. Does that relate at all to what we've been talking about? Is there a way that we could bridge that? So I'll, I'll say, yeah, m- maybe. I see what you're saying. I can't quite tie it in. I guess I would think of it, let's, that's a very interesting statistic. So let's state that and then talk more about there's one approach where you could say I just need to get my my act together I need to bring my team together forget about the hangover from last year and pull myself together set our goals and move forward and like with without fear there's an another angle could be let's accept that the change we saw is more like what we're going to continue to see And so instead of just moving forward the way we've always done, we need to think about team goals, personal goals, from the perspective of a new set of skills it's going to take to thrive. And it's never too late to just start on that. And that's really what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. It's less about, actually less about the, again, the economic goals and more about building a team with the right elements that then will produce. So even though as of today... The year is uh, 10% over, so we're 10% through the year, and we're going to record another episode just specifically on that, which I think will be, the year is 15% over, just given when it's going to release. So you're saying as it relates to, put that aside, it it may be, an, and there's reasons why your runway evaporates very quickly and what to do about it, but I think what we're saying here is this might be a good opportunity, given what we've discussed, is to take a step back and, and re-question your personal and organizational goals and objectives to see, should you make an adjustment? And it doesn't have to be a step function or an order of magnitude away from what you're doing, but are there some elements of this article around spine, spiritual, physical, intellectual, intuition, emotion, and this sort of vertical development that you can start baking in now, and then over time, these things will add up and build up into a more resilient individual organization, things like that. And you still have 90% of the year left. I'm worried too. The year will be half over. We'll still be talking about 2020. Like I'm concerned about that. But yeah, so this might be a good, in the same way that healthy software development teams spend a percentage of their time around 20% paying down technical debt, doing tech uplift, not just 100% features all the time. We might have a similar 80-20 mindset around vertical development, using that term very broadly to help level up you as an individual, because you're going to need to call on those skills later. This isn't the last crisis we're going to face together as humans. And then what are some things you can do to start putting, practicing maybe with live ammunition, but not in a war around these dimensions for your organization so that maybe you're a little bit more resilient or adaptive when the crisis comes. I like it. Yes. It's interesting though. It's not an angle. I don't think we're, I think we're trying to marry two things together that make so much sense when you look at them, but if other people aren't talking about it, then awesome. Yeah. And that is more approachable. We said earlier in this episode, hey, if you're a seasoned executive, 
and things have been working for you for decades, in the moment when crap has hit the fan, you may not be as willing to deviate, try new things, go take that more complicated probing, sensing, responding kind of idea. This could be a good way to one, practice some, some of that muscle memory early or put some things in place in an organization, help your people get leveled up, level yourself up in a way that when it does happen, you, you're inoculated a little bit. And so I think that's probably the safest way to do it is right now we're in a bit of a lull here. Things could still go really bad. I don't personally think that's the case. But if it's not COVID, it's going to be the next thing. And so might as well start start right yep. now. Unless you're ready to land the cool. plane on retirement, okay. this is applicable to everybody. Even then, though, we, I think that the day, so if you, even if you look at 2008, just think of like the stock, what the stock market did. You had this massive run up and then you had a short period of time where things just day after day just ticked down until it bottomed up, bottomed mm-hmm. out, and then it recovered again. In a very like macro, it was intense and it, it was, it, these things get drawn out. So when you're in them as a human day after day, it seems like forever, but that's like a very macro curve that you might expect. It was just two or three things hit at once and that, and then there was some crime involved, which always makes things worse. But you can look at that and understand it. There's been a lot of volatility, even in this massive run-up that we've had in the decade plus since, where like more vol- there, like more volatile things happen more frequently. And so you still get a your trend line may look the exact same, but the, the the peaks and valleys in between look different. And I think that's true in the market, that's true at work, that's true in life. And so even if you're ready to land the plane into retirement, there's still I think some preparation yeah, along the agreed. same level. Yeah, because the worst thing you can do is take like a knee-jerk reaction to any of these stimuli. And that just makes things worse over time. Any closing thoughts on um, this one? From the standpoint of infinite game or abundance mentality, I all of this excites me. I think it just creates more and more space for different, clever, creative people to add value, lead, influence. I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. The upside is going to be much higher. You start making better, more resilient, more adaptable, faster mm-hmm. moving humans and organizations able to take yep. a punch. Yeah. Yeah. The future's bright. I, I would I agree like on that. That's my only thought. Cool. Reading these kinds of things, it actually excites me. It doesn't depress me. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see how we work this stuff cool. in on future episodes as well. You too. Cool. Thank it's you so good much. seeing you today. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.